it's Steve Tasker who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual role player for you. Steve. Steve. A blimp? We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. All right, let's get this thing rolling here on a Monday. The final Monday of Bill's training camp at St. John Fisher. They will obviously continue their preseason preparations back at One Bill's Drive next week at this time. So final Monday here at St. John Fisher University for the team. They have a day off tomorrow after going in pads. Long practice today. Oof. And, uh, Too long. You can tell. I was tired after You can practice. tell people are getting a little weary of the camp experience. They're too tired to even fight. Yes. Um, but not all teams are, as we'll get into in a second. Steve, how was your weekend? <laughs> all too short, Brownie. Yeah. Uh, no, it was good. Uh, busy, all that stuff. You know, we take a break. We don't have the show on Saturday, Sunday, so, you know, we're not – we don't come over to train – or here to Rochester, so I got some things done around the house, and it was good. It was a good weekend. Yeah, I had my wife's birthday yesterday, so I always skip training camp on that day. I'm not a dummy. So – we had a nice little birthday get-together. We were in the pool, and what a day to be in the pool, my man. Um, Bro, need some ice in the pool. As enjoyable as that was, it was somewhat clouded by home ownership issues, shall we say. In the span of approximately one week, Steve, the following has happened at my place of residence. A broken basement window. Broken basement? How does a basement window getting busted. That's kind of my fault. What are you doing? I I dropped a chair and the leg smacked into the basement window and cracked the thing. So I got to replace that. You dropped a chair on the outside of the house? Yeah, on my back patio. So that was on me. (laughs) My dryer gave up. Um, The belt snapped on the thing. So it doesn't turn anymore. And then the filtration system for my pool, I have a, a drip leak in one of my PVC pipes which is not good if you own a pool. This has all happened in the span of a week. I do not own a pool for those that very reason, but I do own a, you know, like a, Water a, dryer, a dryer and a, fr- <laughs> so, and a fridge and all so that stuff. So I decide go. I'm going to try to troubleshoot the dryer thing. I'm going to see if I can find out what's wrong. That's a no To at least diagnose it, right? So I'm just trying to get the housing off the bottom of the dang dryer, pop the bottom part off just so I can look under and see if the belt's loose, you know, that spins the wheel. Right. And dollars to donuts, man. I spent 10 minutes just trying to pop the housing off because it's got those, like, tension clips. Right. But it's wedged into the hole in the housing. I'm sitting, I'm, like, sweating in my basement. So I finally popped the thing off, and then I'm looking under there. Sure enough, the belt snapped. It's completely fried. So then I, I hit the YouTube, right? I hit the YouTube, how to replace a belt on your whatever yeah brand dryer so i find it the video is 15 minutes long these are the videos that are supposed to tell you how like fool you into thinking it's easy and they're usually like two minutes three this thing's 15 minutes dude i watched two minutes of it i said yep we're calling repair tomorrow yeah that that i'm at a point in my life and and i'm at the age i tapped out i'm out i'm at the age where that's the moment that thing turns off when it's supposed to be on, or the moment it turns on when it's supposed to be off, 
is the minute I call somebody. I, I tapped out immediately. I left the housing off since it was such a problem for me to take off. I figured, well, I might as well leave it off for the repair guy. Maybe mm-hmm. the labor charge is lighter if he doesn't right. spend the same 10 minutes that I did trying to take the thing off. But he probably does it every day and pops it off in two seconds. So I'm doing that. Then, like, I got a water leak for my dang pool. Now, it's just a drip, but I'm trying to trying to fix the thing. Or, you know, I was like, yeah, maybe I could just hit it with some, you know, flex seal or something and seal that up. Right. It has nothing to do with the pipe. The pipe's fine. It's got this saltwater chlorine All pools, measuring probe. Pool, pools are like saltwater pools these days. They right? are, yeah. yeah. They make chlorine out of the saltwater. Keeps the... Keeps the heebie-jeebies out of it right well yeah you don't want heebie-jeebies in your pool that's for sure that's um, idea. so yeah and we've done a good job of keeping it out but the problem is i'm losing water now at a slow rate a drip and this all like three or four days before i got to take yeah, my kid to college, kid college and, yeah. and head out of town so it's just like son of a gun what like i mean my brother-in-law is going to be house sitting for us with the dog but like right. i don't feel like handing him seven things that he knows nothing about just say, hey, while I'm gone, while can I'm you gone, take care of my basement this, this, window? This, make like, sure I'm, you're there for this. Yeah. So I, Man, why does it all happen like I when you're it. when yeah. you got other stuff on your plate? Just spread Man. those. I don't mind taking care of stuff, but just spread them out a little bit. Holy right. mackerel! I've, I was getting blitzed. We went back one time and looked over the roster of how many major appliances we've bought. I mean, we've been married 37 oh. years, right? Washers, dryers, dishwashers, refrigerators, freezers. Those are the big ones, right? Yeah. And the expensive Microwaves. Ones. Microwaves kind of, you just go until they absolutely go die. Because yeah. yeah. those are, and it's a microwave. Right. Right. We have no, no less than a dozen. No less than a dozen. Washer, dryer. We, we moved one house to the other. It was a, one, had, one was gas, the other one was electric. So, okay, we switch them, you know. That, and then one, one conks out, the other get another one. It's... They, Insert the cliche line here. They don't make them like they used to. They're only supposed to last about seven or eight years, so you have to go buy another one. Well, yeah. They're no dummies. Well, no. So I've I've got... They're not the dummies in this equation. Well, this is the state of affairs, though, because now I've got a gas oven and the little electric igniter. That that went on that thing. So now I've got the, you know, the trigger lighter... (laughs) I turn the gas up with the long trigger light in my long, burners with the long side. Yeah, and then my dishwasher, the top rack, two of the connectors are very loose. So if you don't pull it straight out, like if you kind of grab the side and pull, it'll pop off the mooring oh, and yeah. fall off. And then I got to like yeah. jerry rig it back yeah. on. So th- these these items that I try to extend the life of, they're not appreciated by the general population. Oh my god. <laughs> So I'm like, no, we're not buckling yet. We can't, we can't, oh my god, this is good. It's how how long can you kind of uh, hang on with a substandard little bit? And it's, you know, that's where we're at. My my parents, when I was growing up, and the, they would have, they wish they had a dishwasher that they had to just make sure you pulled the tr- top tray out of. The, they wish they had that. Yeah, I didn't. Otherwise, my you know, mom or me or the kid. I remember elbow, when I was, we're elbow dipping dish. When elbow I was, deep in dishwater. Yeah, when I was five or six years old, my mom used to give me a nickel for helping her dry yeah. dry dishes. Yeah. I thought that was a big deal. Now then we got like, a dishwasher, yeah. and my income went out the out the window there. You know, my big old nickel that I get every <laughs> night, 20 it's cents a, a week. I remember the one of the key things, we had this – my mom used to be a secretary for a car dealership. And 
for some reason, like the Ford Motor Company or whoever it was, was giving these out to the to dealerships or whatever. They let my mom use a microwave oven for like a week. Wow. I said, here, try this out. And then she goes, what is it? And they go, it's a microwave oven. Well, how's it work? There's no burners or anything. Well, you just push the button. It's right. And it just, like, what? So, you know, you throw, a, we were loving it, throw a hot dog in 20 seconds. And it was like, yeah. like exploded, right? We thought we were living in like, the Jetsons world. 3,030. Yeah, you're we with the Jetsons. Unbelievable. You just turn it on, and it, and it, the, the oven's not even hot, all right? It's like, oh, my God. We thought it was so awesome. Our first microwave was the size of an old-school 19-inch TV. Yeah, yeah. Remember the big 19-inch yeah, yeah, yeah. tube sets? Oh, they're that's they our big. Huge. That's how, our, how big our oh, first microwave was. it took two guys was. to carry that thing it in. It sat on its own table. Oh, yeah. That's right. Like a rolling cart. They were huge. It was gigantic. Like, you, that thing turned on. You thought the rest of the power was going to go low in the house. Oh, it yeah. was a gigantic monster. It was big. It was yeah. like a, and there was no, there was no the thing. Oh, turned, no, the spinning throw it, plate. Throw no. it in. You don't, they didn't have the revolving no. thing inside of them. No such then. thing. Yeah. But that was, we thought, oh, my gosh, what a world we live in. <laughs> and then the VCR came. <laughs> What's <laughs> happening? We went, listen, we, <laughs> we went for one time. We went for six months without a TV. Because the picture tube went out on our old one, right? Oh, jeez. And, like, you know, and you know, you remember the whole thing was made of wood, the TV, and it was like... People were big made. on wood finish right. back then. Right, you right, know, You had the wood paneling on the station wagons. Yeah, and, yeah. The size of a, it was the size of a love seat. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, and the, t- the picture was only like, you know, the picture was like 20, 23 inches. But, yeah, that was, oh, we, I remember that was a dark, dark times in the, in the Tasker household. So yeah, I'm I'm working through that. Hopefully, I can get it all squared well, away late before in the, summer, the end you get of the that week. All, you get that all fixed up for fall and, and the winter time. You'll be all set. Yeah, yeah. So you gotta yeah. have your appliances. I gotta. I got yeah. So I've already got an appointment for the dryer because that's numero uno. Because laundry is a weekly thing, so you got to get that turned around in a hurry. We already had to take some of our. I had a load of laundry. I had right. to take it to my neighbor's house. Can we borrow your dryer? Oh my gosh! Because yeah. I was trying, I was thinking, oh, yesterday it's hot. I'll just hang. I'll I'll go full, you know, country, 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 country yeah. living, yeah. yeah, country living mode, and hang them out to dry on the fence. It was so <laughs> dang humid. <laughs> so dang humid yesterday. Nothing dried. It got wetter. <laughs> yeah, I was bringing in dish rags. It didn't work at all. So then, then I had to take my heavy bag of laundry, or basket of laundry. To my neighbor Excuse saying, uh, yeah. can I borrow oh, your dryer? Asking to borrow your neighbor's dryer? You, oh, my. you cannot live like that. Gosh. You cannot live like that. It's just that's supremely bad. humbling. Brownie, that's bad football. It is right bad. There. It that's is bad. bad. But I didn't have a choice. That's bad football. So yeah. that's where that's at. And hopefully <laughs> I get the thing fixed midweek here and the dryer's back up and running. Cause Do you have – we were – yeah, we have – not me, but the we have like on a first-name basis with – all our service people, you know, the exterminator. I'm not yet, but I, I'm well on my way based on what happened in the last week. The appliance repairman we know, the exterminators oh, we know, hey Steve, the hey lawn doing? guys we know. What do you know, need this time? The tree guys we know. <laughs> and we, All of them. Well, well that's all, good. All of them. It's, it's, it's a sign of living in the same house for a while. Yeah, there you go. Uh, let's get to NFL news and notes. An interesting comment, Steve, from Patrick Mahomes to one Kevin Clark of the Ringer, who was just on our show last week. As we know, he was headed out to Kansas City this week, talked to Patrick Mahomes, and he admitted to Kevin that after jumping out to a big early lead in the AFC title game against the Bengals last year, 
The Chiefs became so focused on playing it safe, they stopped doing the things that had brought them to the 21-3 lead in the first place. Quote, the second half of that game, I don't want to say we relaxed, but I mean when you lead like you did, you want to make sure you win the game, but you don't want to play like you're playing not to lose. And I feel like that's what we did. As a team, we were playing not to lose. We were playing just to get to the Super Bowl. If you look, they didn't do much different from the first half to the second half. We just didn't execute at a high enough level. They were playing the same coverages we weren't executing. Then momentum gets in the other team's favor, and when you're playing a good football team, bad stuff happens. Yeah, that's... Uh, we've I've seen it a, a time. You know, I was part of that comeback game, and and I've been a part of the Super Bowl Forty Two when the lights went out in Georgia mm-hmm. or in. in we, that sounds like a country. <laughs> it song. is, um, but uh, when the lights went out in the, in the Superdome, in New Orleans, um, and yeah. the Niners came storming back in that game and almost won it. It was a one score game. Yeah. Uh, same thing with the Super Bowl in uh, with Atlanta and New England when it was twenty eight to three. Yep. Uh, I've been seeing that a lot. What happens is, and, and it, you'll get away with it sometimes in the regular season, depending on your opponent and all that, but when you get into the playoffs and you get these teams that are playing at a high level, as everybody is when you get to the championship yeah. round of the playoffs, or the, in this case, you know, the division round of the playoffs, the teams are playing at such a high level that if one team just takes their nose off the grindstone for just a minute, it is absolutely evident on the scoreboard immediately. The game swings, and you're like, what the heck's happening? The game swings really fast, and it's hard to get the tide turned back in your favor, even if you've been dominant. So uh, these teams that are so talented, when they get into this desperation mode, they're they're doing just the opposite of what the Chiefs did, the the Bengals were. The Bengals were rolling the dice. They were Mm -hmm. like, let's take this risk. Let's take this risk. Let's really go for this. Let's try to make this happen. And when they're really playing at a high level, like the Bengals and the Chiefs, were and the and the Rams and all those teams were, they can get it done. They come through that, particularly when the other team is taking a breath at that moment. Not to mention the fact that the Chiefs had just come off an emotional overtime victory the week before against the Bills. Now you get up early on the Bengals and you're like, all right, well let's just breathe a little bit after last week, you know, and blah blah. And then all of a sudden the Bengals turned the tables on them and they didn't recover, and it cost them a shot at the Super Bowl. Uh, we talked to the officials here last week, Steve, before one of the practices. They had Jerome Boger's crew here. And we were asking the guy before practice got started, hey, what are the points of emphasis this year? And we didn't mention it on the air last week, but he basically said points of emphasis this year include illegal contact fouls by defensive players. So that, it, that has now been nationally reported as you know these officials get around training camps. As we know, illegal contact is defensive players being prohibited from contacting receivers more than five yards off the line of scrimmage while the quarterback has the ball and is in the pocket. So right. So that's the rule. They are going to call it a lot tighter and a lot more stringently this year, which led to a tweet from one Stephen A. Tasker in which he said, There's going to be a handful of guys the throw for 5,000 yards. That will be the result of calling illegal contact more often. Now, you say that because it's a free, fresh set of downs and a five-yard penalty, so more plays to throw the football. Yeah, but also the the DBs are going to have to play within those rules. They're not just going to count on the officials to call that every play. They're not going to, you know, they're going to, they don't want to get a penalty flag thrown, so they're yeah. going to let these guys are going to start running. And what it means is the the big difference is if people I don't know if I can explain this on the radio. 
in the past, the officials have made a judgment call that if they see contact down the field by the defensive player, they look, and if the quarterback is about to throw it or is in the motion of throwing it or whatever, or if he's not looking the direction not of that receiver, that guy, yeah. they let it go. That's not going to happen. So you're going to get a ton of penalties that are happening away from the, from the point of the wherever the quarterback's looking, like off on the offside of the play, where the quarterback, you know, Josh drops back, he's looking left, looking left, looking left, starts to throw it, and a flag comes out because the guy on the right banged into Gabe Davis or Steph Diggs late in the play. And it's, they're going to start calling it. So in retaliation for that or in response to that, the DBs will start not doing that. And when, you're not, when you stop giving yourself that edge or that little crutch to lean on, offenses are going to be good enough to take advantage of that. Yeah. You're going to have guys running open. And that means not just guys on your team, but guys on their team. Teams are going to be more successful throwing the football this year because of this specific rule change and point of emphasis. So is my idea in the tweet. Yeah. You're going to have some quarterbacks, more than just one or two, like sometimes you see. Yeah, it was Brady and Herbert last year, the only right. quarterbacks to go over 5,000 passing yards. You're going to have like five of them do it. You're going to have like Brady and Herbert and Allen and Mahomes Rogers, and Matthews Brady. and Rodgers. I mean, you know. You're going to have like six guys going over 5,000 yards. I wonder about this, though, Steve. Maybe Because if, if they call it stringently and you're getting illegal contact like every fourth play, well, the league may have to step in and say, all right, we, we may be overdoing it here. Because now you're stopping the game constantly well, here's the to thing. get the adjustment right. necessary in the way defenses are playing. Now, maybe they eventually make the adjustment and the flags become less in number in the succeeding weeks. But if they don't change immediately, you could be really bogging down the game with illegal contact flags. That's what the preseason's for. Okay. They'll so call, call it stringently in the preseason. They'll job up the works teams, in those games. And, teams, and conversations will happen between the officials and the players and the players and the coaches and the coaches and the players and the you know, coaches and the officials. You know, they're all going to be talking about it all preseason. We'll make a big deal about it on our broadcast when we talk about it, you, you know, the, the radio guys and you and I and everybody. And by the time the regular season rolls around, at least They'll the players will idea. start to have a handle on it. So it won't bog down. But you can bet in the preseason – I mean, Flags will be flying. Yeah, they're going to have the, the officials are going to need rotator cuff surgery. They're going to throw so many of them <laughs> because that's what'll happen. And even in the regular season, you'll see an adjustment period where you know the the intensity's ratcheted up and guys will revert back to the old ways. But the league will kind of has learned to allow for an adjustment period, and then when that adjust, then go from there. Yeah, when they start to come off that and get better and get used to it. They'll evaluate again because, you know, it won't be that good if this does go like you and I think it will, or at least how I think it will, where all of a sudden every game is 45-38 to 38 or 45-24. Somebody's scoring 50 points a game. Or then they're like, going, well, I don't know, that might be a little bit over. You know what I mean? A little bit overkill. Let me overkill. So they'll evaluate it from that end and also the flag end as well. The other point of emphasis that we pulled out of the official that was here at Bill's camp last week was hits on the quarterback. If we remember, there were a lot of penalties last year, some rightfully so, some a little questionable at best. Illegal hits on the quarterback are not going to be called as strictly as they were last year. He did say, I said, well, what? So any any touching of the helmet still going to draw a flag? He said, yes. 
any kind of glancing blow to the helmet is going to draw the illegal hit on the quarterback, automatic first down, 15 yards, that whole thing. But some of the other hits that are close are not going to get called as strictly as they were last year. So maybe that's where you make up for all the flags that are going to fly for illegal contact. I don't know. Right. But that, I thought that was interesting as well. How, how strictly they call that and back off of that, I'll kind of believe that when I see it because this is a league that is big on protecting the quarterback. Right. So the I'll better, believe that when yeah, I see the it. The league's better when the stars are playing. And when Von Miller and, and right. Josh Allen and Steph Diggs are on the field and guys like that. We've had a couple of minor skirmishes here at training camp. Big, gigantic fight at Giants camp today that involved players and coaches, Steve, which I'll tell you right now, I've been to 25 training camps. I've never seen a coach and a player start swinging at each other. No. Basically, according to a number of Giants reporters, Saquon Barkley lowered his shoulder into cornerback Aaron Robinson during thud tempo which is when you make contact, but you don't drive through the contact. You kind of pull up. Right. That's what thud is. The defense did not like the fact that Barkley crashed into Aaron Robinson and knocked him off his feet, especially linebacker Tay Crowder, who took issue with it. Now, nothing happened then. Nothing happened until Giants center John Feliciano, two, three plays later, grabbed Crowder's head three plays later, pulled it down, and tried to knee him in the face, WWE style is the description given by right. the reporters at Giants camp. So offensive line coach Bobby Johnson then pushed linebacker Cam Brown. So now the coach is in the mix. Then Feliciano sucker punches Brown, who was being pushed by Cam, by Bobby Johnson. And after that, it was described as complete and utter mayhem. Some Giants reporters were calling it a disaster of a fight, thought Feliciano was way out of line, because not only did he try to knee-kick somebody in the, in the throat, he then also sucker-punched another player. Right. And it was all started by Saquon Barkley, who had uh, McKinney, the safety in his face, for starting the whole thing in the first place. Yeah, John, uh, it, it was by another reporter who said, you know, punches were thrown feliciano got dragged out of a pile oh yeah i have a photo of that and then uh got up to his feet and then and then started swinging uh, i mean he looks like a bag of wet right. cement the, the guy drug him off the pile to break up a fight and feliciano didn't like it at all got up and took a big swing uh yeah so there you go and in the undefeated nature of the internet this photo <laughs> in which he's being dragged away from the fight, and he looks like a bag of wet cement. Right. Somebody tweets, you think Mongo Feliciano misses Buffalo yet? Question <laughs> mark. Undefeated. Yeah. There you Undefeated go. internet. The Ravens and all-pro kicker Justin Tucker agree to terms on a four-year extension, pays him $24 million, $17.5 million of which will be guaranteed. He is once again the highest-paid kicker in the league, free and clear. The Steelers... No signed Boswell, their veteran kicker, to a deal that matched Tucker's previous deal. It was four years, $20 million. So the Ravens just upped the ante for their all-pro it's, kicker. I don't, it's, it's interesting. It's been a long time since we've had a player in any position, let alone you know, quarterback or running back or, or whatever, for almost universal 
have the whole league, opponents and, and teammates alike, say, yeah, that guy's the GOAT. Justin Tucker, I think, is, is right there. His 64-yarder to win the game against the Lions last year. I, that's proof enough that the guy, yeah. I mean, he's, he's not only a strong kicker and an accurate kicker, he is a clutch kicker, too. Yeah. There's a big difference. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's, you know, you give the guy, give the, guy the money. Um, and he got it. He so got good it. good for him. Yeah, good for him. And like I said, it's hard to find. It's hard to find anybody who doesn't believe that guy's maybe the best kicker in the league at the moment and has been for a long time. We told you on last Friday's show that Kiko Alonso was back in the NFL, signed a contract with the New Orleans Saints after being out of the league for two seasons, basically missed the whole COVID pandemic in the NFL. Signs a contract with the Saints. Apparently one practice was all it took to convince him to retire again. One practice with the Saints, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, it sounds like that was the idea for him. He wanted to come back, wanted to prove that he could get a contract, get in that kind of shape, and then retire on his own terms. He didn't want. He obviously didn't want to play, but he wanted to go out and get himself You right. think he didn't want to play, or I do you think, think he got there and he's like, yeah, no, I think I've been I, gone a little too long. This well, isn't going to work. I, I think he just didn't want to go out of his career the way that the way he did, however that was, and wanted to get himself back to a point where he could play again and then say, okay, now it's my decision. I'm going to walk away. Uh, so, I don't think a lot of guys – it means something to a lot of guys to be to stop playing rather than be told you're no, no On their terms. Yeah. yeah, it does mean All something right. to guys. But – and I don't know if Kiko said that, but I heard that reporter that he just uh, somebody complimented one of his. I think Cam Hayward said that, just said you know leave it to Kiko to come out, get one practice and retire on his own. The legend of Kiko lives once more. Yeah, and, with uh, a very legendary type move. Yeah, legendary into his career. Yeah, I'll sign my contract and A B C you later. I'm out of here. So, mm-hmm. so good for him. Uh, Bills practice news and notes. Not participating today. The list got a little lengthier. Marquez Stevenson remains out with that foot injury. That's going to keep him out for weeks, and you wonder what the decision will ultimately be there. It might end up being, much like it was last year, Steve, if you remember, he broke his foot in the preseason game. They put him on the active roster when they first set the 53, and then after a day later he was put on IR, which enabled them to get him back before the season was over. If they put him on IR now, before the start of the regular season, he is lost for the entire year. There is no option to bring him back off of injured reserve. So there's a very good chance, Steve, that they do the same exact thing with Marquez Stevenson, especially if they believe they are going to utilize him as a return man this year, knowing McKenzie's role on offense is looking like it's going to be a larger one. Well, they all obviously... Like Marquez, I mean, he got in the got on the field last year towards the end of the year and um, got a chance to contribute. And we'll see if, you know, yeah, obviously. And when when it happened, McDermott said we're looking at weeks. Yeah, from the time Multiple that it happened. Weeks. So you're thinking, I don't know, maybe a broken bone in his foot or something. I don't know, but it's obviously something that's gonna. They're gonna have to make a decision on him at the start of at the end of training camp as to what the, they're gonna do with him on the 53 or try right. and get him back. Yeah, it's tough. Feel bad for him. Receivers were low in number today. Isaiah McKenzie, Khalil Shakir, not practicing again today. Coach McDermott described it as soreness for both of those players. Uh, Both of them were walking around out here taking in practice. Tavon Austin 
also missed practice. So the Bills were down four receivers. They had seven receivers to practice with today. Tyrell Dotson, a non-participant. Poyer still out with the hyperextended elbow. Tredavious White, as we know, still not practicing. And cornerback Tim Harris, also not participating today. Roger Saffold back for a second straight day of practice. No team reps. Spencer Brown was getting rotated in for team reps. So the O-line slowly but surely is getting a bit healthier. And Ryan Bates, who we may hear from a little bit later on in the show, uh, also getting some teamwork on a full-time basis today. A lot of blitz packages, Steve, and blitz pickup. There's a lot of third and mediums, third and longs today out there on the practice field. Defensive linemen were forcing the quarterbacks to scramble an awful lot today. Did you see that as well? I, yeah. A lot of pressure. Some, but and I know a couple of times Josh was trying to get a playoff, and he, he knew saw it was coming. Uh, I thought it was a really good job of disguise, and he saw it because he's been watching it every day. Uh, brought everybody and tried to max protect and get the ball out of there. Still, it was tough to get get the you know to get it off. Um, so yeah, they, they were working on some things today in practice. It was a, it was a long practice, but I don't know if you noticed uh, a lot of teamwork, both two minute drill, yes. red zone, uh, you know, move the ball, just run regular team uh, with a script. Uh, Dorsey looked like he was off on the sidelines practicing his communication skills, trying to call plays from the sideline. That was all mm-hmm. going on. Long, really complicated practice, but a very energetic one, I thought. They had practice on yesterday, and then they had practice today as well. Both of them pretty grueling practices. A lot of energy, although you can tell it was deep into camp. But I, the stuff they worked on today, yeah. I thought both sides had moments where they looked really good, and then they had both sides where they made the other t- side of the ball look really bad as well. So you oh. kind of flip a coin as to who won and who lost. Yeah, I thought there was good pressure by the guys, particularly off the edges. Greg Rousseau was chasing quarterbacks today off the edge after winning on his pass rush, and we saw some inside pressure as well. I know Brandon Bryant had at least one sack, the Reserve defensive tackle. Guy who keeps making plays in the defensive backfield, Christian Benford, the rookie. Two pass breakups today as the guy continues to turn in play, Steve. And I think this is a guy that is making a push to make the 53-man roster at the cornerback position. It's going to be a tight numbers game. He may not quite make it, um, but it is going to be interesting to see where that goes. We have to take a break here, though. When we come back, we are going to be joined by one Reggie Gilliam of the new two-year contract extension. Buffalo's fullback here with us next on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here at Bills Training Camp on the final Monday of Bill's training camp, and that's got to be music to the ears of the guy that just signed a new two-year contract extension, Reggie Gilliam, joining us here, fresh off the practice field. First, congratulations, Reg. I appreciate it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we're getting to the to the dog days of camp here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I know you guys have a day off tomorrow, which is a welcome thing. What do you usually do on well, your day off? Just a lot of recovery. Lay it out, laying out. Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the tubs. I'm in the training room basically all day. Just get my body back ready yeah. for the next day. I'm. I don't know about you. Maybe you could. You know what the locker room's like. What guys are talking about. I'm so ready to be done with this camp, and I didn't <laughs> practice. I like camp because you know it's the only thing you have to focus on. 
It's like right. you get football all the time. Yeah. Right. It's just football yeah, There's the time, no distractions. So. Yeah. Exactly. Even the media is not a distraction. Even though you come to an interview like this, yeah, there's but the, nothing yeah. going on. There's no stories. It's just you guys. It's, it's just football It is kind of fun that way. Are you a fan of going away for training camp? This is my first time going away, and, I, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. So how did the the new deal kind of come together? Like, was your agent saying, hey, we might have something here for you. I'll keep you posted. Like, how did it go? Yeah, it kind of just came out of nowhere, really. So my agent calls me up and was like, hey, uh, the Bills want to make an offer. we got to talk about some things. I'm like, okay, great, let's do it. So, <laughs> when, so when you have, I mean, because you've been grinding, you yeah. know, the last few years, you know, trying to say, hey, I deserve to have a role on this team. You prove that. You know, they found, you know, they found a pretty diversified role for you in the offensive backfield. And now to have it validated with an extension like this, I've got to imagine that validation feels good because now you're not wondering, does this team believe in me? Now you know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a difference, right? Yeah, it's an amazing feeling considering just two years ago, I didn't even know if I'd still be playing football right. with my pro day being canceled due to COVID and, you know, going undrafted, watching the entire draft, not hearing your name called. I'm just like, okay, this is probably the end of the road for me. And then bills come calling and now here i am signing an extension two years later and in the extension you look back now and, it, and things look differently than from this end of the timeline than they did before because not only did you make it they crafted a spot for you i mean the, yeah. you were a tight end you say you know we're not going to be we're going to make you a fullback or you know a fullback or an h-back or move you from yeah. fullback to tight end. they wanted you on the team and it's from this end of it now signing an extension it's got to be really gratifying that you showed them enough and enough versatility that they they found a place for you, made a place for you. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Uh, like I said a couple of days ago or the other day, whenever it was, is that I've never been on a team where I was wanted. Like, I had to walk on everywhere I've been. Right, so, Toledo, yeah. Yeah, I walked on Toledo and then basically walk on again as an undrafted free agent. So it was nice for someone to feel like they actually, you know, they believed in me. So now I feel, I feel that security behind me that, okay, this team wants me here. Give us an idea as to how – because. You know, you're listed as a fullback now. There was a time where it was a little bit in between. <laughs> What's your division of time now between the running back room and the tight end room? Are you pretty much all uh, running I, back I do, room now? I do everything. Okay. <laughs> so what? So what is it? Is it like 70-30 split? It's is like, it 50-50 it's like, split? It's like, okay, you're working with them. This, you're working with these guys today. You're working with these guys. It's wherever, you know, they So want. you don't even know when you come into work in the morning where you're going to be spending your day? Is it, <laughs> is it really that? Like up to the minute? Yeah, it's up to the minute. But most of the time, like if I don't hear anything, I just know I'm going to be hanging with the tight ends. Do you, uh, like during the season, like if you're if the matchup and they start doing the game plan, during that week you'll be mostly with the tight ends that week for that game. And then the next week it's like the other way. Right. Because of the game and the opponent you're going to play. Yeah, right? it's all game plan. But, it, I mean, I just come in and I go wherever they tell me. So, <laughs> yeah. so you've signed this. Your, your timeline is what it is. And you sign the new deal. You sign the extension. Uh, you've got a place on this roster. And. What keeps you going? What what keeps your the fire lit under you now that you've got a you got this big contract, you got an extension, you got a home, you got you kind of because kind of established because in my mind I felt like I wasn't supposed to be here, so it's like now I got something to prove. Like nobody believed that I was going to be in this spot coming from my little school at, uh, in Columbus, and then I had to walk onto a Division one school, and then I'm walking onto a Mac school as a fullback. Well, I, really, I was a running back. Then they switched me to yeah. fullback there, but mm -hmm. still a a walk on fullback from the Mac. Like that's three strikes <laughs> against you right there. Yeah. There's, a, there's a little right. bit of a Mac presence on this roster, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quint Morris, yeah, and we Cam got, I mean, Lewis, not, and it's not Tommy rest. Doyle. Tommy Doyle. Yeah, yeah we, I mean, we got you a, yeah, we got a, a good set of Mac guys, but still, a Mac guy being on an NFL roster is not very common, you know. Right. And then a fullback being on an NFL roster is not very common either. Right. So it's right. like I already had that going against me. So it's like I got Do something you, to prove. What right. is it about? <laughs> Maybe give us a little 
peek into the tight end room when you're in there because, you know, Tommy Sweeney's kind of an interesting guy. <laughs> uh, he's kind of a, a renaissance man, if you will. And then yeah, you've Tom- got you got Dawson, you know, who's – you know the nicest guy in the universe. Yeah, Tommy's what about that room? Give us a little, give us a little personality uh, <laughs> breakdown of that room. Got, How is it as a group? We got a lot of different personalities yeah. in that room, but we all mesh together pretty well. You know, Tommy's the old soul, knows everything about history you could ever imagine, knows every yeah. 1940s, 50s alternate <laughs> rock song. Like, that's Tommy all the way. Was there alternate rock in the there 50s? Was not I, don't I don't, I don't know, but if, if there was, he, could, there was, he would know. Yeah. 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 What about what about that running back room? Because it's like the South Florida contingent. Yeah. Like every last one of them is like. Yeah. down that way. So is that kind of weird going into that room sometimes? No, or we, no, is no it? we all mesh together pretty okay. well. We've all known each other for a little while yeah. now, so I think we're good. All right, cool. Do you think there's any embarrassment for the team having somebody labeled as a fullback on the team? Absolutely you know, not. I mean, I, they just make you a tight end and let you play fullback. No, 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 there's no. Fullbacks are, are a dying breed. There's not, I mean, yeah. absolutely no question about it. And how does it function? Um, what do they tell you about you know, your role as a fullback? And it goes back a ways, you know, because you were in college. You, you mm. know what that spot is like. Yeah. You don't usually get a handoff. No. <laughs> right? You're banging heads with yeah, somebody. Maybe short yeah. yardage. Yeah, but, know. you know, Sean always says the more you can do. Yeah. So, like, yes, this, I'm listed as a fullback, but I could play any position. Yeah, I use that line today with, you know, remember the meeting, the more you can do this. It's, yep. it's, it's universal. You, as versatile as you can be. What Do you have a role on special teams and how big a part of that is? Uh, yeah, I'm a four-phase guy. I'm on every – I'm yeah, even right. on field goal, so. Right. So I, anytime they need me, I'm, I'm there. You guys have a real good core group now on that unit. Guys that have played together for two, three years. Yeah. You know, Taiwan, Jake, you know, Andre Smith, Tyrell Dotson. I mean, you got a bunch of guys that yeah. have kind of all been on those units together. Saran, how, how much does that help? And, and Steve can probably speak to this too, but how much does that help when you're on one of those, you know, 100-mile-an-hour type place. Like, when you know where your guys are going to be, i got to yeah. believe that's it helped, huge. It helps out a ton. We, we mesh together so well, especially on kickoff. Like, I know how my how the guy next to me is going to play. I know how I mean, T-Dot yeah. is going to play next to me, so I can play off him. We all feed off of each other. And there's a crew there that is pretty stable, and it's about, like, six, seven, eight guys. It's you, it's Taiwan, it's Medikevich, yeah. and all those guys. Uh, What's what's it been like with Matt Smiley as a special teams coordinator taking over the the, the lead role? Yeah, Smiley was really involved when Heath was here, mm-hmm. so it's really it wasn't even a really a, a big change. It was like a handoff, really. Like we all we all know Smiley, we all love Smiley, and know exactly how he's going to coach us. So I don't think there was any drop off there at all. Right. First preseason game coming up this weekend. You finally get to hit somebody else in a different finally. uniform. So that's <laughs> a, I know that always feels good for you guys because you're tired of looking at each other over here. Yeah. What is is what's the message coach is already laying out as far as first preseason game goes, if at all? Like, I'm, I don't know if he's even brought it up yet because we're still kind of early in the week here, but he's got to believe he he knows you guys are eager yeah. to get out there against somebody else. So maybe what are you looking forward to most, you know, when you get on the field facing Indianapolis? Our thing for us is just it's, a, it's about us. Like, we're, yes, we have an opponent, but if we, we need to play our ball. We need to focus on what we're doing more than the opponent. I got gotcha. you. Give me an idea of what it's like to try and get ready to play the role you play with so varied in the off season. How does how's your off season go, and and what do they tell you when you like when you left this last season about what they wanted you to be at and where they wanted you to be when you came back, and how'd you do that? Yeah, so it's a lot of studying, knowing every position. Right, <laughs> and it's a lot a lot of thinking when you're in the huddle. It's like okay, I walk in the huddle and I got to ask myself what position am I playing? 
Right. So I make sure I know because, like, I can know it as a tight end. I can know it as a running back. I can know it as a fullback. Sure. So I'm like, okay, what am I doing? And I'm like, okay, once I hear the play, I think, okay, he's got that. He's got that. He's got that. I got this. Okay, so I know exactly how everything is about to run. So it's a, it's a lot of thinking it's in the a lot. Huddle. Reggie's doing his own check with me. Yeah, He's doing, it's a lot. The quarterback does all those check with me. It's a lot. Reggie's doing his own check with me when he walks out on the field. What do you notice now as a fullback, Ken Dorsey is the offensive coordinator. Did he take you aside and go, hey, bro, you're, you know, be ready for a little something-something this season that you didn't get last year? Or is it just the opposite? He says, you know. I hate your guts, and I'm never going to use you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah me and Doris have a good relationship. But uh, going into the OTAs, it's kind of like that for everybody. Right. He's saying that, like, nobody is going to be stuck in one spot. Everybody's going to have to learn at least more than one position. So everything is interchangeable. So for me, like, I've been learning more positions all along. So it wasn't yeah. different for right. me. But yeah. Right. So with that in mind, do you find that you have to spend more time with one particular position? Like, uh, and what I'm asking is, do you feel like – you have to devote more time to one of those positions than maybe some of the other two. Like, I got this down, so let me devote more time to this where I feel like, you know, I really got to mind my P's and Q's because either it's new yeah. or it's different from last yeah, year. Yeah, so coming in as a tight end, I learned tight end first. First right. and foremost, I know that the best. So a lot of things when I hear it, I think of it as a tight end first. So I, like I said earlier, I said I, yeah. I know what the tight end's got. Now who's next? Like, I'm like, okay, he's got that, he's got that. Okay, now I know what I'm doing after I go through right. – what everybody else has to do. Okay. So it's, it's yeah. a lot of studying, yeah. yeah. It seems like you're the only guy that's, like, listed you're the fullback. So you're the only guy that they're going to plug in. If you're, if you're alive and healthy, you're yeah, going to be that guy, right? Yeah, but uh, like I was saying, anybody could play anywhere. So Right. What I, is more difficult to play, fullback or tight end? Uh, you know, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say uh, from, like, a, a learning standpoint, either of them are extremely difficult. But fullback is way more physical, that's for sure. Really? In the run game, for sure. Oh, well, yeah, yes. Fullback true. is way more physical. But tight end is difficult in the sense that you have to block and run routes. Right. So it's like when, I, when I'm in there as a fullback, I know, like, I'm getting collision. There's, right, right. there's a car yeah. accident about to happen. Yeah, you put your mouthpiece <laughs> in, yeah. Yeah, strap up. Whereas a tight end is like, okay, I know I'm in line blocking. It's maybe not going to be a car accident. It's going to be a fight for sure. But yeah. there's not going to be 10 yards of space and we're cracking heads. You right. know? You're not looking for something. Yeah, yeah exactly. no buildup, not as much buildup momentum. Exactly. Well, Reg, look, we're very happy for you. Glad it all worked out and that you're going to be here for the foreseeable future. It's really cool. We look <laughs> forward to seeing you out there this weekend against the Colts. Good luck, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having all me. All right, stay That's one, Reggie Gilliam joining us here on One Bills Live. We'll take a break. Be back with more here at St. John Fisher at Bills Training Kids Day returns to Highmark Stadium as the Bills host the Broncos for their preseason matchup on August 20th, presented by Fisher-Price. The Fisher-Price Junior Tailgate kicks off at 9 a.m. in Lot 6, bigger than ever, featuring a Power Wheels track, giant inflatables, a real fire truck, games, and more. Also, a limited quantity of Bills wristbands will be given out as gate giveaways and special concessions available this year, Steve, including popcorn ice cream, cotton candy, snow cones, root beer floats, and a kid's lunch deal featuring a hot dog, chips, and Capri Sun. Mobile ticketing as usual. Visit buffalobills.com slash kidsday for more information. It's got to be fun. That Kids Day is always a blast. Um, it has sold out in the past, and uh, it's tremendous day. It's going to be a Five o'clock game? No, it's a one o'clock game on you Saturday. You keep doing this, Steve. I know. It's Make sure you get this the time week right is a so you don't four o'clock game. 
the Denver game, the kids' day, is a 1 o'clock one Saturday. It's going to be awesome. So you'll have your, your right kids home plenty of time. Yeah. You know? You'll be home by 5. Wear them out at the game. They'll go to bed early. you got the you got Saturday, Saturday night, night to yourself. Yeah, get a babysitter. Go out. There you go. Uh, let's go to the phones, though, at 803-0550, And we pull up Judy in Buffalo. How you doing, Judy? What do you got for us? Um, uh, Tucker, you know, you've been talking about his contract and everything, and it's well-deserved. Right. I do remember that he, he missed two critical kicks in the playoff game against the Ravens, which cost them. Secondly, my question is... I think one was an extra point, right? No, I, I don't think... I, well, I thought it was two field goals. All right. My other question is... Oh, was now, okay. Matthew, well, either way. Matthew Stafford is supposedly having trouble with his arm. I want to know who, who their backup quarterback is if, if this continues to happen. It is John Wolford, who is, I believe, a second-year player in the league, so very inexperienced. He is actually Will Wolford, the old Bills left tackle's nephew. So John Wolford is their backup quarterback as it stands right now. He was a 54% completion quarterback last year in the time he did get on the field. So, yeah, not the best backup in the world that you could have, especially as a defending Super Bowl champion. So it's going to be very interesting to see going forward, Judy, what the Rams decide to do. And if we do see a roster move where they bring in a veteran quarterback, I think that is a direct sign that Matthew Stafford's availability for week one is suddenly in doubt. I don't think the Rams believe that is the case right now, but in a week or so, they make a roster move for a veteran QB, it could be headed down that road. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, Justin Tucker did miss two kicks in that playoff game. Were but they it, both field goals? It yeah. was a bad day. I mean, it was a bad game. Weather-wise? Weather yeah, oh, the yeah. wind was quick. And they were kicking. I think both of them were into the scoreboard. I'm not sure. But you're right. I had forgotten about that. I went back and watched it for a minute. And, our, yeah, he did. He missed two kicks. Uh and I and I thought one of them I had some I had some mental notes about those kicks that he missed and I don't I can't remember what those notes were but yeah you're right uh, he is the goat he does ha, does have a long and illustrious career he just signed the big extension and he probably is the goat kicker uh, since he arrived in the league and you're right he missed two kicks in the playoff game against the Bills that, seventeen to three game I I totally forgot about I that. did too. I did too. That's why we rely we will we yeah. rely on people he, like uh, Judy. Yeah, Judy's on it. Uh, and I'll say this: uh, that would be a dead giveaway if the if the Rams go out and sign, a, or if the Rams like you know think about it, if they trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, you know what I mean, or something like that. I mean, in their own division, the Niners might not have it. Uh, they may not want to do that. But if they go out and get a veteran quarterback, that is a dead giveaway that Stafford's injury is lingering. It's going to be long term. But elbow tendonitis in your throwing right. elbow is no joke. Or it could be as well. Um, John Wolford's there. He was there last year. He backed him up. They may like him. Yeah. They may and like maybe him. he's ready to make a jump. Right. And maybe they want to see what he's all about as well. Or maybe they, you know, he knows the offense. It's a lot of eggs uh, to put in that basket coming off a Super Bowl championship very season. Much so. But even so, if Stafford's not available, they've got to have a third guy anyway. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. But it's, she's right. I, the, the longer training camp goes on, the more concerned it is. But the words coming out of Matt Stafford's mouth 
will tell you that he's like he's shrugging his shoulders. He's like, man, he's he's going to be fine. He is not. I don't think he is concerned at all about his ability to start on day one. And be I just ready to wonder go the entire season what his ability to put a little extra on the ball when he needs to to fit it in a tight window. How does it feel when he does that? How effectively can he do that? Uh, is his accuracy compromised because the pain is compromising his mechanics? Like these are all things that I wonder about, and you know. The way to cure tendonitis is with rest. If you're playing, you're not doing that. Even if you practice just once a week, you're still not giving it enough time to calm down, heal up where it feels like it used to. So it's going to be something to monitor, especially if you are a future Rams opponent and the Bills are the first one on the docket. Getting back to Tucker real quick, Steve. Guy is a career 91% field goal kicker. I don't think there is a kicker in the history of the league that finished their career as a 91% field goal kicker. And here he is the last three years. You ready, Steve? 28 of 29, 26 of 29, 35 of 37 last year. A career-high 94.6% success rate last year as a 32-year-old. Hello! That's why you get an extension. He, uh... Not to mention the fact that he was a perfect 6 for fi- six from 50 yards plus. 13 of 15 from 40 yards. So 40 yards plus last year, Steve. The dude was 19 of 21. That is stupid. Yeah. That is, it's And he's, Baltimore kicks off of a natural surface, too. Yeah, he kicks on grass, outdoors. He's, and in his division, he never plays indoors. He's playing in Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Like, He's not playing in the uh, NFC North. That's right. Or the or the NFC South where you get to kick in New Orleans and kick right. in Atlanta. Right. And Carolina and Tampa. Right. Yeah. Playing in the AFC North outdoors, his whole division schedule. Yep. Yeah, he's it's impressive. Yeah, he's, he's I mean, that a, guy is on a rocket ship to the Hall of Fame. He is. Absolutely he is. He's um, he has set the bar even higher. Can you um, imagine? He'll be the first field goal kicker, I think, in the history of the league. If he can maintain this to finish at over 90% success rate for a career. For, and, and not only that, it's going to be a long career. It's not like it's going to be like a three-year He's career. He's played 10 years already. Right. Amazing. I mean, he's going to be. He is amazing. He yeah. really, really, he really is. is. I, it'll be, it would be interesting to pick his brain about what's important to him as and why. is Because, you know, he's had to have had different holders during his career, right? Yes. And he's going to have a new holder this year because Sam Cook, the punter, retired. And they drafted a punter, Jake Camarda. Oh, boy. So they may have How a brand-new holder for him. be interesting to see what happens to that percentage this year if it's impacted by having yeah. a new holder. I would tend to think not based yeah. on previous history here. So, yeah, just an amazing kicker, well-deserved. So congratulations to Justin Tucker, four years, $24 million. We have to take a break here. When we return, we're going to be joined by CBS Sports' Pete Prisco somewhere in the next hour. But we have other topics to discuss with you as well concerning Bill's practice today. Steve and I will get to that when we return here on One Bill's Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bill's Radio.
And it's Steve Tasker who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual role player for you. Steve. I'm a little. Steve. A blimp. <laughs> We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. All right, here we go. Hour number two on a Monday, St. John Fisher University, Bill's training camp. And I wanted to talk to Steve a little bit more about what we witnessed on the practice field today, and that was a fervent pass rush. They were calling some blitz calls, and Josh and the other quarterbacks were on the run an awful lot uh, because the penetration was very good, not only inside but off the edges. I liked what I saw from Greg Rousseau today. Uh, I liked what I saw. Who else kind of flashed for me? Jordan Phillips uh, a- had a couple of good ones. Yeah, Jordan Phillips had a couple of good pushes up the middle. I liked A.J. Epinesa on a couple of plays, yeah. which was nice to see. It's a big year for him. Yeah. Uh, and there were some other guys further down the depth chart as well. Yeah, like Mike Love had a nice rush one time, yep. uh, as did Markel Lee. Shaq had a win. Shaq had, you know, so there was some, they were doing it. I, uh, We were watching, you and I were standing there, you know, watching one-on-one pass rush today mm-hmm. and uh we're impressed you know the offensive linemen one-on-one they they did more than hold their own they did they had a nice day and there were some guys that got through on some good rushes no question particularly off the edges but uh and you know the offensive linemen were rotating through so everybody was getting a rep you know the guys the rookie free agents as well as you know the guys who were you know the finger quotes starting five maybe but uh everybody was taking rest but the offensive line looked good um they're getting more and more guys back. Uh, Saffold got back in the lineup, took a few reps today. So did Spencer Brown. He's back, taking a few reps today. Um, all those guys are, you know, starting to get healthier. But I thought today the pass rush was schemed up really well by Leslie Frazier, yes. and they started to do some little more exotic things. And I think it's one of those days where the offensive line stand there going, oh, wait, we haven't seen that. Oops. Yeah. And now they've got to catch up to it in yeah. the film room, and then hopefully exactly. they come out and they're better on Wednesday. I, I think they were – it's different when you've got things you might expect as, a, as an offensive line. But, man, they saw – it was obvious to me at least, or it looked like that way to me, that they saw some, th- some stunts yeah. they had not seen yet or had not had a chance to work very much on with the combination of guys in the game that they had. We want to address uh, a thing that's circulating through social media, thanks in large part to a comment that Odell Beckham Jr. made on Von Miller's feed. So uh, Von Miller made a comment, and, and, you know, some people in the NFL said, oh, fire, you know, it's great, whatever. And then OBJ comes into the chat and basically says, Hey, what is your locker? What does the locker next to you look like in that Bills locker room? And so everybody takes that to mean that OBJ is angling to sign with the Bills at some point in time. As attractive as that might sound for people, including the ones putting up images of him in a Bills jersey on social media, we need to remind everybody that this team currently only has about $5 million in cap space. That is the cap space that one Brandon Bean likes to have at his disposal during the regular season in case there's a rash of injuries and he needs to sign people on an emergency basis. Now, that $5 million of cap space only exists now because only the top 51 salaries on the roster count towards the cap. When the, fir- when the final 53-man roster is set, those rules change. 
It is then the 53-man roster plus whoever you have on IR, practice squad, etc. And so that will balloon the, balloon the total figure up to the point where they have no cap room. And Brandon Bean said it two weeks ago on WGR in an interview when they set the 53-man roster, they will need to make a move to get under the cap, which essentially means someone of some respectable salary ilk will have to probably be moved off the roster, restructured, or have a contract renegotiated or take a pay cut. Right. Or maybe it's multiple players. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Back in the day, there's always been guys who were surprise cuts, veteran guys who you know we love and respect that don't make the team. And that used to happen a lot during the run-up to building the roster. But this year, the Bills are looking, staring in the face at some redos, some restructurings, or some outright releases that – Maybe at the beginning of this camp, none of us were expecting. Yeah, and so with that in mind, and this might be a moot point anyway because I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is expected to be ready until October or November, maybe even December at the earliest. But to think that they're going to be adding a piece like that that's going to come at a price, even off an ACL injury, I I don't think it works right now based on where the Bills – salary situation is and knowing what is sitting in front of Brandon Bean when the 53-man roster gets set, they're going to have to move some money around just to get under the cap without adding anybody. So the thought of adding somebody of any salary repute, I think, is is wishful thinking right now. And if if that was going to happen, I would think the Bills would sit tight with the guys they've got because they like all the the guys they've got. They feel like they've got enough guys to go into the season with and play extremely well at wide receiver. Now, Odell Beckham, if he comes back and he's at A, 100% like he, like he was last year in the Super Bowl when he was carrying the team before he went out uh, with, a, with a knee injury, a non-contact knee injury. If he comes back and they work him out and he looks like that, well, in October or November, he's still out there. They could say, well, you know what, uh, let's move some things around. Um, because then you only have to pay half a year's salary. And yeah, it's prorated. It's prorated, and some other things have changed. Perhaps you know you got some guys on IR. You got some more cap room because of that, uh, and the season has progressed in such a ways to allow it to happen. But they're not. Yeah, they're not going to sign Odell Beckham. I I, I don't think. Uh, certainly, they've kicked the tires and they're talking to him. But I don't. You know, everybody. He's not signed with anybody right now, and there's a reason for that. Everybody is very concerned about his knee and how it's coming, has progressing on his way back. One other AFC East news note. Jets right tackle Makai Becton suffered a knee injury. It was the surgically repaired knee that he injured. But the update is, even though he limped off the field, head coach Robert Salas said that his knee is stable and that the injury does not seem to be a big deal in terms of severity. They will check with an MRI. I'm just going to say this, Steve. The more I hear coming out of Jets camp about Makai Becton, the more I believe he is going to be the next Mike Williams. And for those that those fans that are not old enough to know, Mike Williams was the Bills' first-round pick in 2002. He was the fourth overall pick in the draft, six foot six, 360 pounds, and moved like a dancing bear. He was Tom Modrak said, the director of college scouting. He was absolutely an incredible athlete. And Phenomenal athlete. The problem was Mike Williams did not love football with a burning passion. And so anytime he had a hangnail or a slight injury problem, he would miss time. 
on the practice yeah. field. He would miss games. He conveniently would not show up for off-season workouts, especially when they were voluntary. There was always something he had to attend to, a personal family matter, you know, this, that, or the other. He was one of those guys that notoriously, you come out for the beginning of practice and the coaches are running through some things, walking through some things with some players before practice begins. They're walking through some things, and Mike Williams was never there. He was always like, yeah, he'd walk over and he'd have to fix his he'd tape. He'd come late. He'd yeah. fix his tape. Uh, he's over here fixing his shoes, getting his extra shoe taped. You know, anything he could do. There's always just something. To, just to, you know, do his own thing and not have to take part. And that's so, a guy that just did not have the fire in the belly right. or the the driving motivation that you need within you to be successful in this league for a long period of time. Yeah. I don't know Mekhi Becton, but a lot of what is coming back on Mekhi Becton is, is mirroring a lot of what we saw here with Mike Williams. And it was not a long career. He, it was amazing he lasted as long as he did. Well, when this you're six, organization six, had an enormous amount of patience. Right, 6'6", six, six, 350-plus pounds. And really, he was a real athlete. Yes. Um, and he got a chance. to. He, he left and then came back for a year or two with Washington or whatever. Uh, just, he just didn't want to play. He did, he did not want to play. And that was why he's not still playing. I mean, they, you know. So, um, there's that. There, not only that, uh, that you know, Makai Becton, who was, you know, went from left tackle to right tackle for the Jets and was yeah. kind of going down the pecking order and was, he was a little out of shape and all that today. Jameis Winston rolled his ankle, starting quarterback for the New, uh, for the New Orleans Saints. Just coming off an ACL last year, he was playing extremely good for the pa- Saints last year, taking over for Drew Brees. ACL out for the rest of the season. Saints tank. I mean, just went in the tank. Yeah. Comes back this year, ready to get going. New head coach, new outlook, ready to go. And he rolled his ankle today. Yeah. So he's out for a foreseeable future. Tough break. Um, you almost start to feel bad for a guy like that. Sometimes that happens. These injuries come in rapid succession, and a guy can't get back on track. We've well, seen it a lot in the past. I'm sure yeah. that Jameis Winston won't be the last. Yeah, and even their their happenstance. Situations, you know, you get an ACL. No, I mean, what do you? Do, what's he doing? You know, it's it's half of those are non-contact. Right, non-contact. Then he rolls Odell his, Beckham Jr., Tre'Davious right, White, and he non-contact. rolls his ankle, and all of a sudden you start getting injuries like that, and then you know gets a then he gets a you know whatever a whacked wrist or something. You get this string of injuries, and all of a sudden the club just gets tired of waiting. Loses patience with you. Get tired of waiting. They're just they're tired of waiting. He can, and he'll go on. He can go someplace else. like they like Tampa Bay did with Jameis Winston. You know, there's a guy that threw 31 touchdowns and 31 interceptions, and they were I'm done with him. Yeah. They were done with him. So he goes over to the Saints, and all of a sudden he's actually having a, he had a pretty good year, got a little different coaching, and he had it turned in the right direction. Speaking of quarterbacks, the backup quarterbacks for the Bills um, spoke to the media after practice today. I believe this is the first time that Bills fans uh, have the opportunity to hear from new backup quarterback Case Keenum. Uh, he addressed the media today after practice. We have his comments for you now. So let's turn to Case Keenum, who addressed the media after practice today. Now that we're through both the training camp, how do you think you've been adapting to this offense? I think well. Um, you know, it's, it's just reps. Uh, you know, this is it's something they've been doing for a while together. So... Uh, with Doris and Josh, <clears throat> you know, even, even Matt sometimes talk about something that they've done before. Hey, let's do it like this, like this. You know, I'm kind of playing catch up in a lot of those things. But 
uh, banking reps, uh, and then banking reps watching uh, what Josh is doing, what he's telling guys, how he's doing it. Uh, those are all very important things and things you need in training camp to, uh, uh, you know, to get everybody on the same page and see defenses, see routes, see how guys are in and out of breaks, see all those same this, the same way, see all those things the same way, and it's it's important and it's it's uh, it's going really well. John has the established relationship with Ken as his quarterback's coach. Now that he's the offensive coordinator, what's your sense maybe coming in from the outside of what the level of communication is in the play calling department? How is that transition going from where you sit? I mean, I, I think it's as good of a relationship and communication, seeing the field the same way, uh, knowing the play caller's intent. Um, with those two guys, it's, it's as good as I've ever ever been around uh it's it's impressive uh to know the the confidence that doris has in josh uh the confidence josh has in the play call uh, but then also being able to see something hey i, I see it this way i'm going to change it up i'm going to do this uh it's 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 really cool it's fun to watch cool to cool to be behind the scenes and, and get to see what's really going on it's great it's really good uh we see it a lot of the same ways um, you know, we have some differences in background and just kind of uh, different different schemes and how we've done things before. But uh, you know, this I've I've told them I'm I'm fully converted. Uh, I love I love what they got going on and it's it's really cool. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm definitely uh, all in and I love it. It's it's a great offense. Uh, it's a great operation. Just the way things are are, are going, and uh, I love it. I'm all in. How does it work for you? You're a competitive guy, you've earned starting jobs, you've played playoffs, you come here, it's established. I mean, Josh is the quarterback. So what's your mind coming in here, and how has that adapting to knowing your role, I guess, coming in and still keeping that competitive nature worked for you this year? Yeah, I've, I've always treated, um, you know, my job as being ready to play, being ready to go out and get first downs, turn them into drives, give them touchdowns, and win games. So that's that's how I prepare, no matter what. Um, I literally, I think I've been in almost every situation you can be in, competing for a third, wind up starting a full year, being a you know the franchise guy, being a backup, getting pulled in for a couple games and back out. Uh, so I've, I've been kind of all over the place uh, when it comes to a lot of that. Um, you know, for me, I'm trying to I'm trying to get myself to where I'll be able to drive this really cool sports car that Josh is driving right now. Uh, if you know if something happens, maybe his shoelace, you know, comes untied or something. Uh, <laughs> I love Buffalo, man. This place is awesome. Are you kidding me? These guys are crazy, and it's it's cool. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's like a sports car. I'm trying to get to where I can drive it a little bit and then hand the keys back over uh, if 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 need to be. All right, that's Case Keenum comparing the Bills' offensive system to a sports car and uh, hoping it – well, he's probably not hoping he gets the keys, right? He, that means Josh is injured if he gets the keys. Yeah. Preseason, sure. He can rev it up, give me a few reps test the engine, Steph and those guys. do that kind of stuff. We have to take a break here because when we come back, we're going to be joined by CBS Sports NFL analyst Pete Prisco, who took in training camp today. We'll get his thoughts on what he saw on the practice field and maybe the league at large get a little bit bigger perspective than we usually have here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker here at Bills Training Camp at St. John Fisher, and pleased to be joined now by senior analyst for CBS Sports. It is Pete Prisco, who's been covering the NFL probably as long as you've been playing, Steve, if uh, not longer. 30 some, 30 yeah, there we go. years, I think. Yeah. yeah so, maybe not uh, quite that long, but yeah. I'm an yeah. old man. Yeah. So <laughs> I know you were at the Hall of Fame ceremonies this weekend. Why don't you just give us uh, your thoughts on that? I know you were there primarily for Tony Baselli, having covered his career. But how was the weekend? It's, I mean, it's never bad. It's always nah, great it's, induction it, weekend. It's a great weekend because you see all everybody, legends, you know, yeah. they walk around. And it's, it's interesting to see how everybody's doing, who looks good, who doesn't. You know, because sometimes guys go from one year. And I haven't been back in a long time, but I always watch it. And you see guys come back and maybe they don't look as good as they did a year ago. But most of the guys are still sharp. And, you know, it was great to see Tony Baselli finally get in. And, and, you know, he's one of those guys that had to fight to fight because he didn't have a long career. And, I've known him for a long time. He's a friend of mine. I've known Leroy Butler a long time. He's a Jacksonville kid, so I used to play cards with Leroy back in the day. And I joke with him. I said, you owe me 50 still, so I don't know. You don't know if a whole thing <laughs> so you should get to that. But it's, uh, it was a great weekend, and I really enjoyed myself. And what, uh, what did you glean out of anything of the first preseason game if you watched it? I... Yeah, that, I mean, Jacksonville didn't play 20 guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they sat a bunch of guys. Yeah. It's hard to – you know, it's just like when you come out here for a practice, like, when I was watching the Bills today, if you walked out on the field today and you said, oh, my God, the defense just dominated the offense, you know, yeah. for most of that practice. And then I talked to Josh Allen after, and he said, yeah, well, we're working on second and long and third and long, so they have an advantage. You know how competitive right, he right, is. Right. So uh, it's practice in preseason, is, and you know this because you played. It's always so hard to evaluate it. You can tell who can play and who can't play, but as far as scheming things up, I think it's yeah. hard to evaluate. Yeah, I do. We are looking and we were talking about this on the show last week as it pertains to the bills you know this was a number one defense in football last year not just in total defense but pass defense third down defense scoring scoring defense defense, number of categories number one and in looking at this group we actually believe there's a chance it could be an even better unit even if they're not ranked number one in all those categories it might be a more dominant defensive unit this year. You know, it's funny. If you walked around the league and asked people who the number one defense in the league last year was, they wouldn't say the Bills. Yeah, you wouldn't right. see it that way. This, that's why when you look at this, David, they might not be number one, but you're right. They will be a better defense. And I think the difference is Von Miller. You always have to have sack, fumble, game over guy on your roster. And the Bills had guys who could rush the passer, but they didn't have that guy. And that's what right. Von Miller will do for them. But you mentioned, we talked before, that defensive line is loaded. They're going to roll guys in there, you know, eight guys. And in the interior, which has been a problem, you know, Ed Oliver has big people now around him. Mm-hmm. You know, Phillips is a big body. You know, Daquan Jones is a big body. And then you get Settle, who I really like, comes in. And that's a nice rotation. And then outside, you got all those guys they drafted and Von Miller. They will be a better defense this year than they were year, provided White gets back on the field. I think that's important early in the season. Right. We still don't know about Tredavious. He hasn't even put a jersey on yet. He's uh, working off the side. He looks great. I mean, the guy's out there. He's all rocked up. He's He's like, yeah, I mean, he looks phenomenal, but not even a whiff of him on the field yet. We'll have to wait and see. But as you see these camps take place, we've heard – you know, about points of emphasis from the officials. And do you think, how do you think the league is going to evolve this year? I said, if they're going to call illegal contact down the field this year, like we've seen, you may have a handful, you know, you have one or two maybe every once in a while throw for 5,000 yards. We may have five-plus throw for 5,000 yards in the NFL if they start further restricting defensive backfield play. Yeah, it's every rule is aimed at helping the offense. Right. We know it's been that way for a long time, and this one will do that as well. And, and you know, here's the interesting thing, though. You know, we talk about all the throwing, and I'm a big throw guy. I always have been. I was a Coriel Coriel guy. I loved right. your K-Gut teams. You could run it, but you threw it, right, and right. you played fast. 
I'm thinking that we're going to start seeing a little trend back the other way. And the reason I say that is, you know, everybody has gotten smaller across the board. Now, the Bills haven't because they've gotten bigger, but a lot of these defenses have gotten smaller and faster. And, and clever and everything. Cover, and they want to run. You, you know, the, space, the yeah. big safeties become the linebacker. The big linebackers, you know, become a down rush guy. The big, the big end is now playing inside. Right. And so teams are going to start looking at it and going, you know what? You're going to play us like that? We'll spread you out. We'll run it at you. We'll pound it at you. Now, so I think you're going to see a little bit more of that trend. I wouldn't do it. I hope this team doesn't do it. I hope they play fair. I hope they play like they played against the Chiefs. That's the way I want them to play. And I yeah. know. I know. Sean doesn't. He's more of a conventional guy. Play defense. Run the ball a little bit more than what they have in the past. I get it. But why not turn that guy loose? Right. We see that Brandon Bean chose to reinvest in the offensive line in the form of veteran pickups maybe more than anything else i mean he drafted a couple of tackles last year in brown and doyle but this year the majority of the additions are of the veteran variety greg manns uh greg van rotten you know guys like that even david kessenberry so what do you make of that kind of a build to supplement your offensive line based on what you've seen in roster builds over the years it tells you that they think they're close because if you have capable backups guys who could come in and, and now Saffo will be the starter at left guard. Yes. But capable backups who can come in and not drop you down that much. Because that's the one thing in this league. The second offensive line on most teams is awful. And you get right. into that grouping and you have major problems. So they're setting themselves up. We're here now. We're going to make the run. We're going to get back there. And if we do have an injury, one of these guys can step forward. I think the addition of Saffo is very good. I think Bates is a rising player at the other guard. Brown will be better than he was. He didn't play as well late in the last season. Yeah. He's going to be better because I think this experience will make him better. The offensive line is not going to be a problem. It's been a problem at times in the past. It won't be a problem this year. We, we've heard this, too, and you've been around other camps, so maybe you can fill us in. We only see what we see here. Uh, I've heard executives say it around the league for years that, that it's hard to expand the NFL even because there's not enough offensive linemen to field 32 teams, let alone 36 teams. Uh, do you concur with that? Are there a lot of teams out there, man, we don't have a guy that can play left guard. We don't have a guy that can play right guard or, or tackle or what have you. I mean, I was in Cincinnati last week, and when you look at that team, last year they were a disaster. And re- they got to the Super Bowl with a bad offensive line. Yeah. So they revamped it. And, and they signed Kappa. You know, they, they signed Ted Karras. They went out and signed Lyle Collins. And all of a sudden the offensive line could be a strength. But you're right. The depth in the NFL. I mean, anybody, and I don't know if you guys watch any of the XFL games. If you watch the XFL games, you would think, okay, there might be a little feeder system there or some guys develop or whatever. The offensive line play in that league was atrocious because there aren't any offensive right. linemen. There's just not enough big guys there that can aren't. play. Yeah. And, not, and none of them play with their hand on the ground anymore in college, so it's kind of hard to teach that part of the game at the highest level of football effectively and have guys come along and really develop unless you have a really good coaching staff. You had five Bills players, Pete, on your top 100 NFL players list for 2022. Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Stephon Diggs, Von Miller, and Josh Allen, your top-rated Bill, at number four overall. Have you had similar meteoric rises on your top 100 like Josh? Last year he was the real meteoric yes. rise. Yeah, no, I have not. And. It really is a tribute to him as a player. And, you know, we've talked about this before. I loved him coming out. Yeah. He knows that. I interviewed him today. 
there weren't many of us out there. There were, they were few and far between. And I stuck to my guns, even when he was struggling as a rookie, because I believed that he had that it factor. There's a certain it factor to playing that position, and he has it. You know, he's big, he's strong, he's tough, but there's an it. I can get in a huddle. This is my team. I'm yeah. going down the field, and I'm going to score. He has it. So his rise up is incredible, and I think he's the favorite to win the MVP this year. I, I, nice. I think he's going to win the MVP. I love the makeup of this team. I love the makeup of, of the offense. I love the makeup of the defense. I think he's going to be the MVP. Have you ever seen a player more polarizing? Maybe Tim Tebow was like that, right? Where, yeah, but he couldn't play, though. Right, exactly. But you got a, you got a guy that came out, and he had guys on both ends of the spectrum, guys who said, no, this is the guy, and guys said he'll never be the guy. Uh, and, you know, of course, he becomes this MVP, you know, type candidate, you know, competitor. Uh, have you ever seen a, a player that was more polarizing than than Josh? No, and Tebow was polarizing for different reasons. Right. Yeah, right. You knew that. Those right. were, but this guy was polarizing from a football standpoint, yeah. which is weird. And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think there were many that were on the side that he was going to be a good player. Right. And you, you see once in a while these guys come out of the woodwork, oh, I said it, I said it. I, no, no, I remember. You weren't so sure of yourself. And, mm-hmm. and that's you're right. There hasn't been a guy who's been as polarizing as him. And not only that, the abuse he took. Yeah. You know, you could be polarizing it one thing, but this guy took non-stop. Look at this stuff. He can't hit the, the – you know, he couldn't throw it in the ocean if he, if he was standing on the, on the beach and that kind of stuff. It was brutal. And he's overcome it all. And I think it's fueled him because he's got that – he's got an attitude. I want my right. quarterback to walk in a room and have an attitude. Yeah. Since you called yourself old already, I won't feel bad about asking this question. You're old enough to remember when Ken Dorsey was playing quarterback at Miami. Um, and he's talked about that and getting the ball in the playmaker's hands with the ridiculous amount of talent he had at his disposal there on the offensive side of the ball. How do you think that best translates to the role he has now as the play caller for this offense? I, I think it'll make it easy on him. I, I think they have playmakers here. I, I, I think Davis is on the verge of something special. And I think playing with Diggs has helped Davis because it's made him a better route runner. He was, I mean, he is a physical specimen. Yeah. You know he could run. And now I think Diggs, watching Diggs run his routes. And Diggs ran around. You were standing right there today. He ran that route on Elam today. It was a little short, little crisp route, and he ran it out, and it made it look so easy. And I think that's rubbed off on Davis. And so I think it makes it easy on Dorsey. He's got playmakers. You know, how are they going to use Cook? I thought they ran that cross action today when he ran the ball inside, which was interesting. Uh, He's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. It's going to be a better offense. I think Dorsey's going to be good. By the way. No offense to Ken Dorsey, but I think I could have thrown some passes at Miami and completed them <laughs> <of> those guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say this. We, we were talking about some of the guys that came in. They, they brought in O.J. Howard. High hopes for O.J., just like the Tampa Bay Bucks had when they drafted him. What about his game? We've said he's kind of been largely unseen in this training camp. Uh, so he hasn't it, flashed a whole hasn't lot. Hasn't flashed a whole lot. Not too many opportunities either. So uh, what are your thoughts on him? He came out highly touted. Still a huge and dynamic athlete. Um, what do you think's next for him, and what are his upside? What's his upside? Yeah, he's got to be dedicated to the crowd. I mean, look, when, and I think he changed, he flipped it a little bit. But from what I told somebody told me when he was in Tampa, they had a bye week after London game, and they, Bruce told them, stay around here, don't do anything. He went back to Alabama, came back, and hurt his hamstring the week later, put him in a doghouse. And so I think that's where his focus has to be. You're right. You look at him. Physically, he's a specimen. Yeah. So whether they can get that out of him, they, you know, remains to be seen. But it's there. 
It's just a matter of getting it out of him. Sweeney had a good day today at the right. practice. I mean, I know you can't get on that on a regular basis, but he had a good yeah, day yeah. today. Yeah. The We've been talking, Pete, about the Bills draft class as a whole, front to back. I mean, first pick to last pick, all the way down to Balin Specter, the linebacker they took in the seventh round out of Clemson. Every one of them has flashed at some point in this training camp. Some obviously more than others. Cook, Shakir kind of stand out. Elam at times, although he's kind of trying to master the off-coverage stuff that he didn't do a lot of at Florida. But I'm telling you, soup to nuts in this draft class. Every single one of them has flashed in camp. I'm sure there are other teams that have had good draft classes. Everybody was touting the Jets draft class and how well they did, and I'll give it to them. They did. But I'm surprised. Like, top to bottom, on this roster, we're seeing these guys flash here. I don't know what that says about this team going forward or what roles they'll have on a deep roster. Well, like. it says that Bean knows how to draft players yeah. and find good players. I think that's the, the most important thing. And I think they drafted with an eye on replacement. Edmonds is, what, in the final year of his deal? Yep, right. And they drafted the Bernard. Kid. Bernard, yeah. Yeah, so you draft with an eye. It's always the old jar on the shelf. You know, one goes, you pull another one off and put them in there. And, and that's what they do. And that's what you have to do. You have to look forward a little bit. And I think that's why they're drafting. Look, I didn't love the Cook pick in the second round. I love Cook. I just think sometimes that's a little, when you're a team like this, a running back in that spot. But the way I see they're going to use them. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I yeah. like it because he can really catch the ball out of the backfield. And it's interesting about Bernard. You know, they drafted Terrell, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, and he's this big condor-like guy who's very, you know, he's the middle of the defense, and he's a very A equals B kind of guy, very by-the-book kind of guy. Bernard gets in, and he's completely different. He's a smaller, fast guy who almost goes 100% on instinct. Uh, two completely different styles of play, even though they're playing the same spot. And Bernard looks like he's going to play, you know, be – there for both spots, both Milano's spot and Edwards Edmonds' spot. Um, any thoughts about the, the direction of the league? I mean, the Bills got this big, huge, freakazoid athlete in there now about going to a smaller guy. And if you put Bernard in there with Milano, you got two linebackers on an NFL roster in their base defense that weigh less than 230. Yeah, and that, that again, if it goes back to some of the theory yeah. on going back to the big You're, people. You leave that's yourself con- vulnerable. But if you have the guys who can occupy, you know, that if they can handle the offensive linemen, don't let the guards get out on them yeah. and let them run free, then I think it's not as much as a problem. And that, that's why it's key what those inside guys do here. If, if he, you know, he does play next year moving forward, you're right, Milano's not a big guy. But if you've got two linebackers who can run, you can cover a lot of ground, and that's right. important. Brandon Bean has a Jordan Poyer situation to address. He's on the shelf right now with a hyperextended elbow. I kind of feel like the relationship is so strong that I don't anticipate it will ever get acrimonious. But they're also pretty tight on the cap. I mean, they've got $5 million in space now, but when you go to a 53-man roster, Bean has even said, we're going to have to make a move somewhere or ask somebody to take a pay cut to get back under the cap when all the positions count, practice squad, et cetera, et cetera. How does that get resolved knowing that's their cap situation what year is how old is Poyer now he's 31 31 yeah you, you got to start being a little concerned about that mm-hmm. and and you know i mentioned i was just in cincinnati cincinnati had Bates, right and they have von bell von bell in the final year of his contract Bates is in that franchise, franchise contract tag. and probably not going to be brought back so they drafted dax hill and so they draft with an eye on replacing so that's the decision that that the bills are gonna have to make we love Poyer. They love him back there. He's a great player. Sure. And it's nice to have him and, and Hyde together back there. It gives you some real security on a defense that, you know, if it's going to be a number one defense, you need that back there. So I think it's going to be a, that's going to be a tough negotiation. Yeah. Because you are 31. If he's 27, yeah, 26, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. 
But at 31, you start wondering. What well, I don't think he's going to get a mega deal. I think if they're both willing to work on like a three-year deal that pays him more than what he's making now, a significant amount of money more, then they can maybe do that. Make it a five-year dummy deal, you know, but three A couple deal. avoidable years. Yeah. Last yeah. one from me. You've been around. You've been going to camps. Have you seen any AFC East teams yet other than the Bills? I have not. I will see. I saw Miami in minicamp. I'm mm-hmm. – um, I watched them for two days at minicamp. I'm a, I'm a little worried about them. I, I know they – I just don't believe in the quarterback. I just don't. I don't think he's the right guy. Yes. And they clearly don't either because they tried to replace him a bunch of different ways. So um, there's a lot of speed on that team. That team can fly. Sure. You know, you Waddle and Hill and, you know, even Chase Edmonds when he's in the backfield, they can run. The offensive line's a question mark. Defensively, they should be pretty good, but I worry about the quarterback. What teams have you seen that are going to be better than what the general public might know about? I think, the, you know, people think the Bengals are a one-year wonder and go away. No, not at all. They're a deep, talented team, and they've improved the offensive line. The fact that they got where they did is amazing considering how bad their offensive line is. I, I said on our thing today, I did a hit, if, if the Bills don't lose the Chiefs game, I think they go win it all. No matter what, I think they win it all. They were the best team. But that, what the Bengals did is incredible considering what their offensive line was. I saw the Colts. I think they're going to be a good team, too. I think they'll be the best team in that division. I know the uh, Bills play the Titans in week two. I think the, the Colts are the better team. They're going to be physical again with Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Bills fans found out all about that oh, last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, and then I saw Jacksonville will be improved. Um, they got rid of the idiot yes. coach that they had, and they actually got a football guy in there who knows what he's doing. And I saw Tampa, and, and Tampa will be one of the better teams in the NFC. And in the NFC, it's really only a it's pretty you know, easy now, right? You got the yeah. Rams, you got Tampa, you got Green, Green Bay. Bay, and maybe a surprise team. And you know, the Vikings will be an interesting team with Kevin O'Connell running things, and if they can get better on defense, because they're going to score a lot of points yeah. too. Pete, thanks for the thanks, time Pete. as always. Travel guys. Safely. Good to see you here at Bill's camp. I'm sure we'll catch up with you. I'm not the jumping season. on a table, by the way. I'm just <laughs> not doing it. We don't blame you. We'll be back with more here on One Bills Live in a second. Stay tuned. It is summertime, and Bills head coach Sean McDermott wants us all thinking about sun defense. Coach is passionate about skin cancer prevention as it runs in his family, and he takes sun protection very seriously. Most importantly, of course, is wearing sunscreen. Right now, you can stop by your local Wegmans for all of your sun protection needs. Wegmans will donate $1 for every Wegmans sunscreen product sold through August 31st in their Buffalo, Rochester, That's and been Syracuse one of- stores. It's a great way to protect yourself and your family and help fight against skin cancer and think sun defense like Bill's head coach Sean McDermott, even on a day, Steve, where it looks like it's going to rain That's here. been one of the – yeah, but it, earlier on, it's, that's been one of the kind of neat little perks. They they're, they got sunscreen everywhere for everybody. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They got spray the spray on everywhere. stuff. It's so nice because I – you needed it. Today. I'm more of a Even look. today you needed it. It's cloudy now. Yeah. And this earlier today it was smoking hot. Yes. Oh, my God. It yeah, was, that's been good. Yes. I've been using it a lot. It was uh, – it was sunny today and, like, you know, peeking through the clouds kind of stuff. But when it was – when the sun was out, it was pretty fierce. Um, so, yeah, it was it was definitely needed today. And, you know, good on Wegmans for helping out. It'll be tomorrow, too, helping out. Uh, Just so you know, Steve, the depth chart – and this is an unofficial depth chart, but the team has released a depth chart in anticipation of the preseason game against the Colts – this weekend, 
And there really are no surprises on the depth chart with the following exceptions. Are you ready, Steve? Where'd you get that? De- oh, they gave they just got sent oh, on okay. email by the Bills. Right. Well, there you go. David Kessenberry out of the shoot is listed right now as the team's starting right tackle with Spencer Brown behind him. That's presumably due to the lack of Spencer's availability through the early stages of camp. Isaiah McKenzie listed in the starting lineup as they list the offense as a three receiver formation. Um, defensively, Daquan Jones listed as a top-team defensive tackle next to Ed Oliver. We've seen a good deal of that at training camp thus far. And the other uh, the other interesting note here, Steve, yeah. Tredavious White is listed as the starting corner, which isn't surprising from a status on the team standpoint, but is a little surprising in light of the fact that that Spencer Brown, who was the starting right tackle last year and has been limited due to an off-season injury, is not listed as a starter, while Tredavious White is. So that was interesting. And then there's this one, Steve. Punt returner Tavon Austin is listed as the top guy right now. So that listing is their top wide receive, top three wide receivers. It is Diggs, Davis, and McKenzie. Okay. There you go. And then right behind them, Hodgins, Crowder, and Kumaro. All right. Well, there you go. That makes sense. So not a ton of surprises uh, by, by any means, but I will say the running back, Listing when Singletary, Moss, Cook, Jones, Johnson, Blackshear. So it'll be something to peruse for sure, and we can talk yeah. about it on tomorrow's show. We are back at One Bills Drive tomorrow as the players are off. So we will see you in studio 1 p.m. Same bad time, same bad channel. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>